Welcome to the weekly Mission Red Bank podcast, helping the body of Christ build itself up together in love. As we continue our Advent journey, we're going to continue with the prophet Isaiah today. As I looked at it and did some reading, I came across a story I want to share. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow was an educator at both Bowdoin and Harvard College. And he was considered to be the most popular American poet of his day sometime in the mid to late 19th century. He actually passed away in 1890 or 1882, so mid to late 19th century. Very popular, but nevertheless a man troubled by loss and heartache. In 1835, his first wife, Mary Potter, died after a miscarriage. He remarried in 1843, and happiness found him again, but it wasn't to last. His second wife, Frances Elizabeth Appleton, died tragically in 1861 from burns sustained when her dress caught fire in their home. Longfellow himself suffered severe burns in the incident as he tried to extinguish the flames with his own body. But she was burned too badly and died within a day. Then on November 27, 1863, he received a telegram at dinner informing him that his 18-year-old son, Charles Appleton Longfellow, was shot from his horse while serving as a cavalry officer in the Union Army. Charlie was badly wounded, badly, but by God's grace, he did survive. Henry would eventually record in his diary how inexpressibly sad are all holidays. And then later, he said, I make no record of these days. Better leave them wrapped in silence. Perhaps someday God will give me peace. On Christmas morning, 1863, as he heard church bells ringing and peace on earth, goodwill toward men echoing from a local congregation. He penned the poem, Christmas Bells, and here are some of the words. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And a few lines later in the poem, the grief in his heart comes forward in painful lament. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Is it possible 
to find real peace. When the world feels out of control and life seems wrought with sorrow, anxiety, and struggle. Is it possible to be kept in peace when everything around us is so loud and so often painfully clamoring for our attention? When so much around us isn't as it should be, can we actively know the peace, the shalom of God? Prophet Isaiah wrote this, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. But how do we do that? It's there, it's given to us, how do we do it? How do we stay our minds on God when our current personal context compel anything but peace? Today, I want to suggest just two things, just two, not exhaustive, just two, that our good Father has given to help us with this. One, his trust invoking promises. And the second is corporate solidarity, the unity of the body in the bond of peace. Let's pray and then look at it together. Father, humbly I ask that the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the meditations of each one of our hearts will be pleasing to you, King Jesus, our rock and our redeemer. Holy Spirit, open our eyes and our ears. Help us. Teach us. Comfort us. We pray through Christ. Amen. In Isaiah 10, the Lord pronounces judgment that's coming due to injustices done against the needy. I encourage you to go back and look at that this week. Then in chapter 11, he says that one will come to overcome all such injustices. He'll come like a shoot or a branch from the stump that is left of the house of Jesse. That's the house of King David. Jesse was David's father. And then the Lord describes a radical peace that will come as a result of this branch. Listen to what it will look like. I'm going to read our Old Testament reading again. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, the lion shall eat straw like the ox, the nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse 
who shall stand as a signal for the peoples. Of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. Now, a concept that's familiar in the biblical narrative and honestly across the ancient Near East is that when a legitimate king reigns as a good representative of whatever deity that culture worships, this is just common in the Near East, that when that happens, there can be peace throughout the cosmos. And this peace can be seen on many levels. The powerless receive justice. Wars come to an end. Abundant rains water the earth. And therefore, the land will produce abundant crops. And this imagery isn't lost on Isaiah. However, here, he's describing peace that is so glorious it will change even the natural inclinations and instincts in the world around us. It won't just bring abundance and good and calm. Things that nature gives us will change. Predator will no longer pursue prey to kill and eat. They'll instead live in harmony side by side. And... Reasonable menacing concerns like deadly snakes being a danger to children will be gone. There will be no more danger. He's telling us that this branch coming from the stump of Jesse, who God is bringing, he will be so good that anticipation of him is meant to lead us to hope. And calm us. Grant us shalom. Peace. God's promises are meant to be trust invoking like this. But the sting of many personal circumstances is painful. It's real. And we just can't get there on our own. This is where the second help comes into play, corporate solidarity. Near Crater Lake, the Rogue River Gorge is a beautiful part of the Siskiyou National Forest in southern Oregon. Centuries upon centuries of volcanic activity have formed a hard lava base in this region so that the top soil here is more shallow. Because of this, within that soil, away from the gorge walls, the roots of the trees graft together. And they must live as a group rather than individuals. That's a picture of it. The roots of the Douglas firs here grow together. They naturally graft into one another just as how they exist, and thereby provide nutrients and water for one another. It's shared. They're a community. They're a superorganism. 
one thing made up of many things interdependently supporting one another. Because of this, when this one, affectionately known as the living stump, when it was cut down, it healed and continued to live as an active part of the community, giving and receiving to the trees around it. So this superorganism, characterized by interdependence rather than individualism, finds itself thriving in a hard context, a context that is truly way too hard for any individual tree to survive. Why? Because each member interdependently promotes the thriving of all in the community. Advent is a time when we remember that we follow and worship a God whose promises are trustworthy. They're meant to lead us to hope and peace. And even when our personal contexts or circumstances won't let us get there, we're reminded that we're part of an eternal, image-bearing superorganism and that we have one another to help us remember whose we are and therefore who we are. We also remember that when our God came down, put on our skin and became that shoot off of that stump, when he came and lived amongst us as one of us, He didn't cheat. He came and prepared us in the way that we live in the world. The covenants and the solidarity of God's people existed before Jesus came. He was born into that, and it is to be the way. And then he calls us, he lived into it, and then he calls us to be one in him. light to the nations that we're created to be until, as the prophet says, the earth is full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Henry Longfellow finished his poem resonating this hope in its final verse. Listen to where he went. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail. The right prevail with peace on earth and goodwill to men. We must use the Advent season to help ourselves lean in to one another so that like those trees, we can interdependently help one another get hold of the truth that God is not dead, nor does he sleep. 
Life really is too hard for any of us, any one of us, to rightly or healthily live it on our own. Our good Father never intended us to walk it out this way. That's not the image we're meant to bear. So Mission Red Bank, brothers and sisters in Christ, this season, pray, seek to grow in intentionally seeking one another out and helping one another. And therefore, all of us together, stay our minds on our King so we might walk together in the perfect peace that he purchased for us. Amen. You've been listening to the Mission Red Bank podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to know more about Mission Red Bank or have questions about what you've heard today, you'll find us on Facebook. Grace and peace to you, and may God's blessings surround you.